everybody, welcome to episode 15 of the Combat Chain Podcast. I am your host, Adam Philipchuk, alongside Pat Shaw. And how's it going today, Pat? Adam, it is going great. We are in the middle of the Flesh and Blood Competitive Team League, uh, week three. Uh, and we've had some exciting matches streamed on uh, on the YouTube channel. We've We've been putting a lot of content out there uh, on the live stream side and uh, having having fun. How How's Adam? Doing great. Uh, like you said, been super busy with the team league streams. Uh, West Coast, Best Coast is up 2 nothing against Indy Arsenal right now, so that's super cool to mm-hmm, see. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, beyond that, just been uh, reeling in all of the, the news that's been coming out lately. Holy, did we get some big bombs uh, these past couple days? We have. There's been a lot to absorb. Uh, before we get into that, have you uh, any any good games lately? Honestly, I feel like I, I I'm barely playing right now. It's, I'm kind of you're you're neck deep in in the in on the content side. You're you're the you're the you're the steamroller of uh, of of competitive league coverage here. You're you're doing it all. It seems. I've been having a blast with the the broadcast side of things lately, and uh, I do have, uh, now bearing in mind, the whole Bannon announcement thing getting pushed back has kind of been, been weighing on me, and I'm like, right now I'm in this position where I'm like, I don't mm-hmm. know what to test for, so it's... Yep. <sighs> getting in games like they're the i'm playing fun games here and there where i can but beyond that Mm -hmm. like getting in games doesn't feel like i I don't know what what to play for right now so it's it's really hard to to test and and yep in the meantime there's been teamly going on so i've been having a blast with that and yeah i'm glad uh, i'm glad people are enjoying it yeah it has been uh it's been real good. I, I I know I know what you're talking about with the with the testing environment. I feel like I've been playing on. I have been. I've gotten a lot of a lot of games in, uh, and especially the last couple of weeks. And it's been it's been good to get the reps in. Um, I feel like my chops are back, uh, and for a little bit there, uh, they weren't. So, but I've been playing on like two axes. One is like the existing meta as it stands. So I main Viscerai in CC. I'm a little more diversified in Blitz. I skipped skirmish season, so I've really just been like the the crash test dummy for people who are testing for skirmish. So I feel like I'm feel like I'm pretty good at a lot of blitz decks. So I've been playing Rhinars and Kasai's and Oldums and 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 Viscerai's and Dashes. Like I I have those all all available so whoever you know whatever you want to see i'm happy to be that you know the scout the scout quarterback uh so to speak and and do that so i've actually had a lot of games i jumped on uh as his server uh last couple tuesdays uh just work has work has been a little flexible for me so i've been able to jump on and uh last two tuesdays getting a lot of good games uh uh, with uh, Joey from Dexon Drafts, amongst other uh, other guys uh, in there, um, 
I have gotten some some play testing in on a hypothetical post post band meta. We can dive into that a little bit, but kind of trying to figure out what is next and if if uh, you know the, to your point there, it does still feel like a gamble because um, it, it's hard to predict. You know, even if you're picking heroes that you think might not be affected, um, is the is the existing card pool from those, you know, right now off meta heroes. You know, I'm kind of looking at Briar uh, and, uh, you know, Briar Chain and like Katsu when I talk about that. And, you know, Briar right now seems pretty powerful in a post band meta that takes this out. But you don't know if Revel is going to be there. You don't know if it's going to be Skeleta. You don't know how much those Rune Blades are going to be affected uh, come May 2nd. So it's really hard to, you know, put a lot of faith into what you're seeing there. But it is it is good to get in those, those uh, you know, varied reps, so to speak, in those in that in that post ban uh, hypothetical. But it is you got to kind of got to kind of got to hedge uh, what you're doing there. Yeah, 100 percent. And I just I'm at a point where I just I don't even know where to where to start. So it's like right. I'm it's just a little overwhelming <laughs> yeah I, I, and i did i just don't want to get caught up tr- doing the wrong thing and then like have all these mm-hmm. hu- heuristics figured out that aren't actually applicable right, to right. our meta and i i think that's where mm-hmm. it's like i'd rather just play games for fun keep my skills try to keep them as sharp as i can and just be mm-hmm. ready for for may 2nd that sounds good now uh talking about the uh competitive league here uh what do we what do we have coming up uh, in the near future uh i know you have some streams scheduled and uh perhaps some special guests coming on yeah uh, unfortunately by the time this episode airs uh these things will have probably passed us uh but things to check out on these will be the streams will be available on uh our youtube channel to go back and listen to and watch so uh we've got tonight actually uh eric larrere from spark of genius is going to be hopping on uh, as a guest commentator and is going to be uh doing uh a clout chasers match uh with us uh clout chasers playing dark side games and that'll be actually benson playing into uh peter uh Budinciak. And that's going to be actually a, a really good match because the Cloud Chasers are up two to one in that series. This one is, you know, Benson's got the opportunity to to clench the series for uh, for Cloud Chasers. Peter's looking to keep uh, Dark Side Games in it, but some things a note in this: uh, what could potentially end up even. I wonder if this could become a rivalry at some point. Because uh, these two teams are both mm. up two nothing in uh, in the league, in, in their division, and are playing, I think, for a, a first place position right now at this point, um, and have both shown that they've got the chops to 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 win. So this uh, a lot on the line for this match. Um, whether mm. you get to see it live or you uh, catch the uh, the highlights. Uh, afterwards uh, on a replay. Uh, I, I think this one's going to be a great match. I do think, I think the clout chasers uh, have, uh, I think those, they're my picks right now for uh, division three to, uh, to win out and move up at the end of the season here. They do have a strong team uh, and they've, uh, They've they've shown that they can win, but you know what? Uh, I don't think you can roll Dark Side Games out. Dark Side Games took last week's series five nothing, so Ooh, yeah, exactly. Right. 
So uh, I, I think this is anybody's series still. Um, of course, Peter is going to have to come in strong tonight. Uh, this is going to be Benson's mm -hmm. first uh, game this season, though. Uh, Peter already showing uh, he has the chops to to win in the league with uh, this as being his third game. He's got one win and one loss. So we'll mm -hmm. see. I think that moves us into the news, which will really be the main topic. And we're we're gonna just we're gonna just gonna talk about what the hell is happening at LSS uh, and with flesh and blood. Uh, starting from April 5th to today and see see where we go. Yeah, there's there's certainly been a lot going on, starting with we had the, the banned and restricted announcement. And the big news there is there's really no news. Nothing is changing for now. But uh, as people have kind of been hinting, Starvo has been running away on the li Living Legend leaderboard and is poised to 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 make living legend and lss left a little ominous hint at the end uh, and we were kind of talking about this at the beginning of the episode uh but uh, lss left left a little hint at the end of the bnr announcement indicating that uh they do intend for the pro tour new jersey to have uh, a new uh, meta and mm -hmm. one way or another may second things some things will change with the onus being on the pro players to kind of figure out and define what the new meta is going to be when what is it i yeah. believe 10 days between the, the 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 upcoming bnr announcement and the pro tour yeah i think day one is friday which is the, yeah, Friday the 13th. Ooh, ominous already. Uh, the ban restricted announcement it will happen May 2nd. So you have seven, eight, nine, yeah, 10 days before day one uh, to figure it out. They did leave, I think there was a lot to be desired uh, from the announcement here. And, you know, full disclosure to our audience, uh, we had an episode recorded that was very reactionary and probably too much. Uh, so, so this is this is actually our second attempt at it now with cooler heads prevailing. So, I think part of the part of the problem here was that I think the player base wanted something, right? They they either wanted a drastic change or they wanted no change, and I think everyone could could agree on you know one of those two things, uh, and they wanted that to understand how how to play test. In, into Pro Tour One, so when when Legend Story Studios brought the ban and restricted announcement and said no changes, but it was probably the worst of both worlds for them because they left no changes, but they did leave it up uh, very up in the air about something happening May second. Uh, they originally talked about Starvo naturally hitting, hitting Legend uh, Living Legend status, and we know now that the math was wrong math was wrong or they forgot to update their event calendar in time for the announcement one or the other but there is now there are there is now enough classic constructed events on on the roster here between now and may 2nd so that starvo could theoretically uh living legend out and if he has hit the points by may 2nd starvo will be retired uh and no longer part of the meta 
in in their announcement there, they did say that there is a possibility that Starvo will be part of the meta going into the Pro Tour. Uh, so kind of felt like uh, talking out of both sides of their mouth there a little bit. But now that we've had some time to uh, absorb, you know, we're this is where we're at, right? There's there's some uncertainty going into Pro Tour New Jersey on how to approach it, and there is a uh, there's a lot riding on what will be said on May second. Um, I think a lot of a lot of eyes are going to be on the calling Taiwan. I believe that's the highest point event on the, on the list there, and. I think Starvo has to win the calling and get a hundred. I believe is it's a hundred living legend points uh, from the calling Taiwan April twenty third. That has to happen for living legend to be on the table. Uh, so definitely very interesting uh, going into into the next ban restricted announcement. Yeah. So how how are is it, you have a pretty good uh, uh, feel of of the the competitive scene in your area and you know you're you're involved with a lot of high you know high profile players and i know you're you've talked about you you're you're focusing on the broadcast side uh you know on the team league here but what what has been the uh, internal reaction to to the announcement and and the the timeline in in your in your group is there you know, is there some consternation is are is there some brainstorming happening um, is it more of like a wait and see, you know, as a consensus? Like, what, what is, what, what is the feeling uh, in your, in your circles here? I think a lot of it's wait and see, as far as I can tell. People, like I was saying before, are hesitant to speculate without knowing for sure what what's going to happen. And you know, if if you if you guess wrong and you put in all that time. Uh, that's gonna, that, that has a potential to hurt. Like then you're scrambling to, to recuperate after that. So I, I think there's a lot of wait and see going on right now. I, I know that's certainly the boat I'm in. Oh, uh, how, how does 10 days feel to you? It's tight. That's pretty tight. Uh, <laughs> have you, um, have you, have you, have you looked into accommodating like an extended play test, uh, time during that? during that period like do you have plans on going into the bunker for 10 days throwing some eight hour day uh play test sessions in there to make up for lost time do you have a bunker to go into i hope so <laughs> do you have do you have a do you have do you have a do you have a command center that you can you can do something like that to go in for the eight ten hours without uh pissing off everybody else in your life I like. I mean, I'm able to. I'm able to make those kind of commitments. It's kind of a matter of whether the other people I'm kind of playing with right now are willing to make. Uh, yeah. Or are even capable of making similar commitments because mm-hmm. those are hard commitments to make. Over, you know, even if it's for a. Sh- yeah. I mean, do you say long or short period of time? It's all spec. It's all relative. I mean, I'm going to be looking to, at that point, pick up as many games as I can. And I don't think it's going to be hard to get the, the reps in regardless at that point. I think everybody's going to be looking to pick up games and try to figure things out. So mm-hmm. one way or another, I know how I'm going to... I, I have a few ideas for how I'm going to get those reps in, and I'm I'm hoping yep. that I'll be able to go into Jersey as ready as possible. I do feel, uh, I think I, one of my main motivations of getting the games and then I've had thus far is that I don't know if I will have 
that much ability to get in the density that I can now. So if I can get 60 to 70% there, I feel like, you know, 10 days won't necessarily be that, that much if it's a matter of, you know, I feel like I can narrow it down to a couple classes and, and, you know, know, know what I know and know what I don't know. Like, I know I'm not going to play, I know I'm not going to play like prism or something like that. It's just not, it's not in me. So I only have, there's only a few things that I, I will play. And as it opens up, I think those, those choices will kind of bear themselves out. And as, as that meta narrows a little bit, be able to pick from my, my little, my wheelhouse and uh, go from there, hoping to get into, you know, I'm, I'm going there competing in the calling. I do not, uh, I do not want to plan for the battle hardened on the next day. So I am, uh, I'd like to be ready for the calling as much as I, as much as I can. But the announcement did have a, a pretty negative uh, impact, I think, on the community. I know my uh, my playtest groups were looking forward to getting ready for for New Jersey, and then the ban restricted announcement with the caveat happened, and it just kind of, you know, we it just the all the emotions started drifting downwards. But then LSS released a little a little tidbit of a uh they released a, a a lore story which is something i just eat right up but it is a short story uh entitled morlock hill uh it was released on april 11th uh and it is uh it was uh morlock hill written by kasharn rao and edwin mccray and illustrated by nikolai moskvin and it is a great read uh, I don't know. Uh, I gotta imagine we're you know we're all in a into a card game about swords and sorcery uh, and things of that nature. So I'm sure uh, it's not too far of a leap to assume that there's a lot of people that play the game that are into that you know token esque uh, swords and sorcery uh, fiction. And that short short story very much hit the uh, you know checked a lot of boxes. It was very good. A lot of uh, a lot of fun stuff happening. I don't want to spoil it too much, but does feature, uh, you know, the mentor card, uh, hero, uh, not hero, but uh, Minerva as a mentor card has made a, a resurgence uh, recently in popularity. So she has made an appearance. Uh, Dorinthia uh, is featured prominently in the story. Uh, creatures from the Demonastery, creatures with tentacle things coming out of them, and weird crap like that is happening and there's some mystery and some intrigue and some violence and hack and slash uh bolton is uh featured as well and uh it is it is a fun read and it's uh i it, they're definitely heading in the right direction uh i think i one of the i felt like you know, go, going into flesh and blood as with for the cards i got into the game for the mechanics and then it's kind of like playing Call of Duty and only playing the multiplayer mode. Thought I was just missing the story and not really caring. But when I looked into it more, like they're LSS is developing their world. They're not the story is not complete. There isn't a large cohesive narrative necessarily. If you go on their websites, there's a series of short stories that start to establish what's going on here. You know the cards uh, have a lot of tidbits here and there, and uh, these lore stories are definitely flat. So April 11th, that was released, and that was that was great. Uh, and then, and then a little 
a little grayed out box showed up on the website uh, that said Fab 2.0 and it was dated the 12th of April at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, U.S. time, which was which was a red flag for a lot of people. Like, hey, they're not doing it in New Zealand time. Well, what's happening? But you know, you you and I were we're sitting sitting where we're sitting now, and come uh, 7 p.m. Eastern, uh, the whole flesh and blood world was clicking refresh on the flesh and blood browser. Just refresh, 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 and we broke the internet. Uh, waiting for for the announcement but it came it came in the form a form of an article and uh it was an article by james white and it was entitled uh fab 2.0 uh so we are going to get into what that what that was so to start off james white uh, i'm not gonna i'm not gonna read the whole thing um we're just gonna touch on on some of the bits and pieces here but james white uh you know, talks about how the game was formed in the last two and a half years since it's it's been released, the impact that it's had, and you know, and thanks to the community and everything, you know, so the, the stuff that you'd expect. And then, uh, you know, he's been he's been pumping 2.0 since uh, he was on the podcast with uh, uh, Le Ophidier not too long ago. If I'm saying that right, I'm not. <laughs> it's okay. Spot on. You nailed it. Nice, nice. But you know, we 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 started to get some hints about what this could be, and um, and he t- and he broke it down into three parts. Um, and the the basis is that Fab two Fab two is a collection of changes, um, to reflect the growing scale of the game, um, and how to how to negotiate that growing player base and maintain. A player base uh, and address some issues that uh, uh, have started to crop up uh, as the game has grown. So he does note that Fab 2.0 is not changing the game system itself. Uh, there's some people that are correlating Fab 2.0 with the Comprehensive Rules 2.0, and they are not the same. Co- comprehensive 2. Point rule, uh, rules 2.0 are what they are, and those are completely different and exclusive than what he's talking about here. So, part one of the Fab 2.0 mission, retiring first edition. This is huge. It is. It is. So the Cliff's Notes version, retiring first edition, starting with Uprising. Bum, bum, bum. The name of the set being released in June, Uprising. There is no longer a differentiation between first edition and unlimited edition. There is only the edition. Uprising will have just one single release, and he does go into in the article. He talks about why, why he did that, and didn't just do first and unlimited on the same day, or several other ways to to go about it. And the big thing was that he wanted everybody to a get the cards and experience opening up the you know the cold foil fable and go crazy, uh, enjoying that experience opening it up here. But what a uh, what a booster box will have moving forward here is fabled cold uh, cold foil fables and cold foil equipment, rainbow foil fable and equipment, and uh, and extended art uh, variants uh, that have been labeled as Marvels. there's going to be a new yep a new rarity class called Marvels, uh, and if you look at uh, like the extended art Herald of Erudition. Uh, would be an example of a Marvel class uh, rarity card. 
there. Uh, he does note that the um, so there is a small change with the booster pack configuration. Uh, the cold foil will now take place uh, take the place of the token slot, which means in a booster draft environment, uprising being a booster a booster draftable set, you would uh, when you when you open up your booster pack for the draft, you take that token card out and do not draft it. Your cold foil will now be taken out and not drafted to stop value drafting uh, and you know ruining the integrity of of, of a draft uh, because someone's picking up the high value cards and not not drafting optimally. In a sealed in a sealed environment, you can play with your cold foil. It does state that the uh, the cold foil uh, pull rates are going to be there's going to be less of those. There's going to be more rainbow foil equipments. But everything's going to be in one box. I really like how they did this. They made, yeah, they leveled the playing field when it comes to, to opening packs now. And they made it exciting exciting again for for you to open really anything. Because now, now when you go to the store and you get, you know, just two or three prize packs for playing in mm-hmm. an armory, you know, you have yep. a, the same chance of hitting a cold foil fable as mm-hmm. as that person who who buys is able to buy the boxes at pre order, and yeah, that's awesome. That's that that is such a feels good for everybody involved. It is. I my big my big thing that I wanted out of Fab 2.0 was I wanted to want to open sealed product again. One of the biggest issues I've had with the game. So I. I and I I think you're in the same but I don't think either of us qualify necessarily as investors uh in the game but I I am like almost 50/50 collector player and with flesh and blood in magic I was definitely more of a collector than a player um but definitely heavy heavy in both and flesh and blood I'm I'm a player first and, but then and then a collector but I do want like I I love opening up booster packs uh but opening up a buying a single box of unlimited monarch is just such a like you there's nothing good that comes out of that box unless you open up a legendary uh when that happens and you know if you if you get into opening boxes enough you know that you're you're what you really need to get is a case so that you open up four sealed boxes that are sequential and and organized in a way that you can guarantee not guarantee but your odds of a legendary are such that a one in one per case is what you're you know what what you're looking at so opening up a single box there's such a low rate of like return and one of the things i think magic got right even you know they push so much product out the door and do a lot of a lot of things wrong but it's still fun to open up some of their booster packs, you know, the, and getting either a high rarity card or an alt art version of the card or some other some other thing that incentivizes me to open the packs for the fun of it. And you know, those the the cold foils, the rainbow foils, the extended arts, the possibility of getting those beyond just the legendary is something I'm very very much a, a, attracted to and and wanna wanna do so i will be at least once again spending too much money on, <laughs> on flesh and blood on uprising. Uh, uprising sounds exciting uprising you know morlock hill is you know if i'm putting 
am I reading the tea leaves here? Uprising. Read the story, Morlock Hill. It ends on a note that makes sense. It makes the title Uprising start to make a little sense here. So all the more reason to go uh, look at the uh, lore story. I don't think that was, you know, by coincidence here. So definitely tie those things are tied together. There's a small uh, small change in the cold foil reprint policy, but because first edition and unlimited edition are being retired, um, it is, is no longer effective to say that first edition cold foils will no longer be reprinted. So they state that simply starting with Uprising, simply cold foils that are in the booster packs will not be reprinted. So um, more of a, it uh, sounds like a technical uh, you know, technicality more than anything else to protect themselves. Just to catch all. Yeah, just to catch all that. You know, there were the first edition cold foils that you opened up aren't aren't going to be reprinted. So now, you know, it covers the same thing but worded so that uh, uh, it's not affected differently here. Moving on, he introduces a, a new product called History Pack One. History Pack 1 is uh, a white-bordered uh, reprint set um, consisting of uh, cards from Welcome to, Ra uh, Welcome to Wrath, Arcane Rising, and Crucible of War. Um, all the cards will be white-border and no foils. There will be nine legendaries uh, in the set there. Um, presumably the eight legendaries from Welcome and Arcane Rising, and then Tunic, which is has been featured as part of uh, part of the list uh, there. Um, in addition to the white-bordered History Pack 1, uh, there's going to be a, a one-time short-run black label edition in foreign language for History Pack 1. James White had talked about in, in that interview I referred to earlier that uh, he did say that uh, people all around the world will be able to get the cards that they want um, in their languages, and we were, he was talking about the Command and Conquers and the E Strikes and the you know Art Wars and such. And it appears that this is the product to do that. And they, this this history pack once again is I think it's the perfect way to reprint the cards that people need to get without diminishing the value of the black border cards that people already have. The intention at this point is to release a new history pack biannually uh, in established markets. For example, he says, for example, history pack two will suit follow soon after history pack one in French, German, Italian, and Spanish, whereas the English version of history pack two is planned to release in 2024. Uh, what, what he says without saying there is there's likely a block structure to the history packs, uh, given the example of Welcome to Wrath, Arcane Rising Crucible War History Pack 1, you'll likely be able to expect History Pack 2 to include Monarch Tales Everfest. Uh, something along those lines. I don't know if I really care about that product um, at the moment, but uh, it, what it does do is create accessibility. I keep going back and forth on this because the product's being released and my... My instinct is like, ah, oh, I got to grab it. But I, in an entrenched player in the U.S. market, actually don't. Uh, like, I, I personally do not need to expand my collection into white border cards out of necessity. I I have, you know, a, a, you know, a 
this is my vice and you know it is it is a bit of a luxury but i do have a relatively complete collection um of cards i i i can build any deck that i want i do not have any fables that's my i don't have any fables i have open fables i have old fables <laughs> I, have, I have turned that around and, and and gotten more more boxes uh if there i i have gotten way too many sealed boxes i could have gotten my singles probably i could, probably could have completed my collection a lot sooner if i you know this what's in the box it could be anything it could even be a boat <laughs> uh you know mentality but I, I can't get enough of it. There's something. I put the, the, the I, I opened up what six boxes on, uh, on stream uh, with Everfest. I love it. Can't get enough of it. Love, love opening boxes. I still won't. The price point MSRP is going to be 140 US dollars. Uh, it is a 36 pack box featuring 10 cards per pack. Um, it is the same amount as a 24 by 15. Um, but I think it's more, it, it's meant to be like a supplemental style uh, set closer to Crucible and Everfest, which have 24 packs in them, the same as, as everything else. So getting getting a third more uh, in, in a supplemental, uh, still a little steep at 140 MSRP. Uh, we'll see how that, uh, how that affects. I do think that this is more uh, in internationally minded product uh i don't know how well it'll do in the u.s but i am not i'm not into the markets uh with the stuff i mean i think i i i don't think this is just geared at international markets because i think this is also geared at the new players and yeah a box might be expensive but a pack is probably going to be relatively affordable still and it sounds like the pull rates yeah. are going to be fairly good so uh, that, at least that's the speculation based off of what yeah. numbers we've seen so far. So mm -hmm. I, I, I think this does help also drive down some prices, offer different options to get, you know, E-Strikes and Command and Conquers at cheaper price points and, you know, helps get new players into the game too. Yeah, definitely. I, do, I, I hope it serves that purpose. Um, I just, I think, it, I think it's a tough sell when you have like, the problem with the current model as it stands is that unlimited exists, but no one wants it after right, the Monarch was a debacle, but starting with tails, like tails first edition is like 80 bucks a box. Right. And that, yeah. and that's the, that's the reference point there. So for $140, you're going to get a box in tails first with cold foils and everything is, is 80 and tails and Everfest are about the same right now so that you know you're you're gonna have to negotiate that uh that price difference and and explain that away before you know i think people will will get into it new players def i think new i remember you know magic has a lot it has a history of white border cards um and they were they were very accessible um and you know as a young young player uh those those were where i gravitated to first so i do think that there is a uh, a precedent there i also i i you know james james white knows that he didn't originate this idea you know so i this is one of those things where lss is taking you know every step of the way 
we're expecting LSS to take the lessons learned over the last 30 years of TCGs and apply them successfully, you know, and fix the mistakes here. You know, white border, white border reprints are, are one of those steps that TCGs typically take. So, you know, he's just going to make sure he does that successfully. And though with the BNR announcement, I know we were a little worried there for, for, for a quick moment. I think uh, with the with the, the news we've gotten recently now, uh, especially the news we've gotten out of Fab 2.0, I think James White is uh, and, and company are doing a, I don't know, I, I'm... I'm confident again. Yeah, I, I definitely think that this needed this said what it needed to say and addressed the issues that needed to be addressed in a, in the big picture long term way. Uh, James White is going to be on Team Covenant stream on Friday, and at the time of the BNR announcement, I I was get I'm sharpening my pitchforks and making sure that my torches uh, could light easily. Um, and now, now he's great again. <laughs> you know, I back to liking James White. <laughs> but uh, so that that covers part one of of Fab 2.0. So retiring first edition, um, history packs uh, with reprints. Yes. Oh, and uh, so quickly on the pull rates. Uh, fabled fabled is question mark question mark. Uh, legendary cold foil is one in two one per two hundred and twenty packs. Uh, legendary rainbow foil is one in 80 packs and i don't I, I forget how many boxes and cases that is but uh majestic is one in and majestic is one in four it does go all the way down but there's 11 commons per pack uh but you know majestic is one in four uh that's a pretty good pretty good rate yeah the majestics are where it's at for me i crucible and everfest so fun to open the most fun flesh and blood products there there are to open because majestics held some you know held some value over time and being able to pull like some of my everfest boxes had like 10 majestics in them and you know if you did 10 majestics in a cold foil you go bonkers it's great that's a great box to open you know, and it's one of those things where it's like, I'm never going to sell my cards, I, I, you know, but I, I like to know that, you know, if I spent, right, I spent $80 on a box, I know I'm not going to get $80 back, um, but I don't want to get $10 back, which I feel like is a real risk in some of the older, uh, older boxes. Yeah, I have. <laughs> I've gotten. Um, <laughs> I do not recommend uh, buying into box breaks, <laughs> um, but I I bought into I bought into an alpha box break uh, once for more money than I probably should have should have bought in for it. But it was like it was alpha, welcome to wrath and first edition, everything. Um, all the way through from from welcome to wrath to tales uh, getting ready for everfest and i think I, I, it was like two packs each of, of each box for for my part of the break and it was like 300 ish dollars to buy in and i think i got 35 dollars in value back Oof. and that hurts that hurts a lot don't but... don't do big box breaks kids but and I mean, at that point, though, you, I think it's fine to do things like that. You just have to be aware that you are gambling. Mm -hmm. that, that at that point, it's yeah, it's definitely 
that was gambling. And and I mean, that, it, that it, felt like it too. If you'd hit like it, putting my money at the dealer, and just losing losing the first hand and realizing that that was all my money, and then having to get up and walk away. But imagine how, like, uh, on the contrary, what if you had gotten a cold foil skull cap or something like that, right? Then I never would have stopped. I would have, I would have sold that and bought into four more box breaks or whatever, lost it all, <laughs> and just become destitute. Uh, it would have been awful. I'd have to get one of those cards that, uh, like, a just so I can put it, kept keep it in the slot machine. I'm gonna take the bus, go on Tuesdays. It's just brutal. It would have been bad. So we're all better off uh, that I didn't hit it big on that one. I, <laughs> I would not make it. I would not make a good degenerate gambler. All right, part two of Fab 2.0. Playing the game is more than competitive play. More storytelling, world building, character development, and integration of lore into the play experience. Before I get into this, how into how into the lore are you? I think I do pretty good for somebody who doesn't follow it. But it's you're not are you have you have you read the lore book? I have not read that. Have you read the lore book? I have listened to two interpretations of the lore book. Interesting. Via, via audio. One I believe has a like officially sanctioned like reading of LSS uh, of the lore book. So there, there are a couple different different ways that the lore book has been recited. Uh, Findell's library takes a series of the stories from the lore book and does uh, a, a very good job uh, retelling. Has a small cast to it, you know, has some music behind it, and is very good. Mark Chamberlain, who you may know as the uh, the voiceover guy on WraithTimes.com, if you're you go to the pro series articles there's there is a there's usually a, an audio option and mark chamberlain is the one that reads the articles if you go there so he has a youtube video up that is the full retelling of the lore book volume one and then there is another gentleman named para nine on youtube that also has a full welcome to wrath uh audio audio read of it and it is uh it's three hours and 30 minutes uh a piece so it is not a you know it's not something you can sit it's not uh, the one... no no but it is it's very good uh it it describes the different lands uh the, the different regions of the continent and uh it does have several short stories that talk about Dorinthia, Katsu, Reinar, and Bravo and how they come to be. And it's very uh they're good. They're very good. Um it, but it's not complete. Like that's it. They they I talked about how LSS is doing world building here. There is no um you know, there's no long interconnected uh, narrative here. They're still establishing the world in in these things here. And all we have really are these little short stories to go off of. Um, so, uh, what does he mean by more storytelling, world building, character development, etc.? cetera? Uh, investing into the characters we have come to know and love. The first example, uh, he brings up is Bravo returning into, in Everfest as Bravo star of the show, uh, show, which means Dorinthia and, and Dorinthia and Reiner returning into classic battles. So now we know that Dorinthia and Reiner will be grossly overpowered 
and warp <laughs> the meta or the meta when they come out. These heroes have depth and stories to tell, and we intend to take you on a journey uh, with them over the coming years. Um, so the implication there being that uh, our our heroes that we know and love, we until one gets killed off in canon, we'll likely see in multiple iterations. And if you read the story Morlock Hill, you might get a hint of one of those iterations coming up in Uprising. But you got to put two and two together when that happens. Uh, when you when you read the story, they talk about publishing more lore. Now this is this is what this is what I'm after here. Uh, publishing more lore, including books. Publishing quality books is a big undertaking that is quite removed from the core operations of producing a trading card game. That has made a follow-up to the Welcome to Wrath uh, World Guide Volume 1 difficult to execute, as our focus has been on supporting the growth of the player communities around the world amidst the challenges of a global pandemic. Understandable. However, we are building towards a position where the stories of Wrath, the tales of Arya, the scriptures of light and tomes of shadows will materialize in the hands of fans around the world in interesting ways. Ooh. Books. Books. <laughs> Love books. If you, um, Magic the Gathering, again, right, comparisons. Magic the Gathering had a, uh, a very successful run early into their novelizations. Um, one of my favorite, uh, series was the uh urza saga novelizations all the, the brothers war the 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 origination of planeswalkers um urza's war against the phyrexians all of that was in well-written novels um you know in the vein of forgotten realms and Dragonlance, etc very good stuff and wizards wizards dropped that after a while they tried to come back with uh war of the spark novelization but that is hot garbage <laughs> Ooh, I, don't get me started on that oh they really they really muffed that punt right up just just terrible they they are back to kind of like short stories online uh and that's probably where they should stay but yeah i'm very very excited about books uh and the last the last part here is uh products that offer play experiences that bring fans into the adventures conflicts and story arcs that are happening within the world of wrath i read that as as just a uh kind of straightforward you were probably going to see very thematic thing the classic battles for instance um is, is going to be a super thematic thing i'm sure the uh you know how characters are built into the sets they talk a lot about you know the dust blade when it came out that was like for lore purposes and then they banned it but they put it in there because it fit you know they, they wanted it for story purposes you know, Starvo, they, they've said, you know, for story purposes before they're, you know, they're they're willing to make risks on the cards for the purposes of telling these stories. Right. Moving on, uh, part two of uh, of this is products tailor-made for first play and social play experiences. So they focus on two different things. Classic Battle, Ryan Ivers Dorinthia is the first example of a product that has been specifically designed for the pl first play experience, which together with the lore booklet included, uh, they hope will inspire new players to discover more about the featured heroes and relive their classic battle again and again on the kitchen table with friends and family. Classic battles is planned to be an 
ongoing product type showcasing some of the famous encounters between heroes within the lore of Wrath. Fans have told us that they wish there was an out-of-box product that they could use to introduce friends and family to what flesh and blood is, and we hope to see classic battles become the go-to for sharing your love of fresh, uh, flesh and blood with your besties. In addition to that, they talk about player versus environment as being their flagship social play product. They are putting a lot into PvE, it is under development, and they are working hard to make it as good as possible, and more more will be announced in the future. I'm certainly excited for PvE. Uh, I, I have high hopes for what it can be, and mm-hmm. I just, I, I, I really hope they nail, like, that... I, I, I think there's, yeah, there's so much potential for it to be, like, an RPG-type thing, mm-hmm. uh, where, yeah... Definitely. If they nail it, it's going to be a blast. They can definitely, I mean, if you take, you can combine this with like D&D and Diablo in like scale, like have encounters scaled to your heroes and like have them start like on low level where you just have like iron rot sweet. And, you know, maybe you do like a commoner style like deck build and you go up against, uh, you know, you go up against the common enemy, but you're, you have a limited amount of, you know, cards available. And as you level up, I'm I'm doing it right now. We're designing the game. You know, as you level up, you get access to like different majestics and like legendary equipment and you can add them on. Uh, and as you get more powerful, uh, the encounters get more dangerous and you work all the way up, all the way up to a fully optimized classic constructed deck. And the big bad is actually the Protor. <laughs> 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 but it can definitely be, it very much lends itself, right? It's like a, it's already there the action rpg side is there um i think it very tra- it translates very easily into like a D style universe i can very much see um kind of a player's handbook and encounter guide uh as a hybrid model of both of those um you know, a lot of people love arch enemy in um in magic um i'm not <laughs> i wasn't one of them but I can definitely see that uh, that style being there. I find that interesting that it's that so classic battles when they were announced, I I put in the same vein as the commander precons that Magic of the Gathering release. They clearly have, you know, they're going to have playable cards. They're going to have the most likely only behind the classic battles. It uh, looks like there's going to be an ongoing release schedule of them that fits fits the mold of of magic's commander model which is very successful so in that vein good but uh the pve being the uh the flagship is is, uh interesting to me and it's not that it's not going to be upf and i understand why it's going to do that but it's um it's definitely uh it's a different take on it and you would expect a uh it's it's that it's that curve it's that turn away from the magic model of a four player multiplayer experience facing one another they're they're going to do something different i can definitely appreciate that yeah exactly and it's going to be i think it's going to be so much fun when we finally get it yeah definitely i hope it's a you know i hope it's something we can play on you know webcams and 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 stuff I, i want online play to be be part of that uh be able to be part of that experience We'll see how that goes. The last uh, last part here is reformatting casual play formats. So Ultimate Pit Fight, they are changing uh, because Ultimate Pit Fight, when it was originally released, Blitzen was not a format. So um, 
up until this announcement, Ultimate Pit Fight was done with young heroes, but 60 card decks and three copies each. Their official suggest well, their suggested rules, they do say it's a casual format and you can make your own rules, and they even say, you know, they mention Yorick, but young heroes only, 11 card inventory, 40 cards per deck, up to two copies of each unique card, same as Blitz, except every official Flesh and Blood card is legal, including cards like go bananas and tailors so you can have you can have your your weird crazy fun with the tailors and yorick's go bananas uh in ultimate pit fight still you're just uh cutting it down a little bit in addition commoner it is an official supported format uh of flesh and blood now we now have an official rule set so in summary the official commoner rules are a 40 card deck common cards only so no going to a Channel Fireball event and having six rares uh, and going to a Star City side event and having commons only and jumping online and having a mix of the two. Uh, now it is uniform throughout common cards only. 11 inventory slots can be uh, weapons and equipment and can include up to two rares and all other cards must be common. And we had touched uh, we touched on this off the pod, but I, I was not... a it didn't dawn on me that the weapons, the crucible weapons uh, are rare. So your Centauri sabers and your mandible claws uh, are rare, but every, everything else that you, you put on there uh, should be common. One young hero card can be rare or common. So you can play your chaos, but you cannot play your Valdas or your Icelanders uh, up to two copies of each unique card. And it will have an independent ban and suspended list for the commoner format. I think this is a, a move in the right direction. Uh, I think adding commoner is going to be a great way to also entice new players. Uh, it's going to be a relatively cheap format to play. And it's something mm -hmm. that kind of levels the playing field. Uh, and it makes yeah it makes armory night accessible to the the, the new players and that yep. i think that's awesome yep. i'm ready i'm pushing to try to, to get you know all the armories in my local meta changed to to commoner for at least the next little mm -hmm. bit just to to yeah to, to switch up our local meta i think it's going to be great are you ready for the commoner pro tour let's do it i want it i want the welcome event pro tour Oh, the man. welcome deck pro tour like everybody's on ira 30 yep. 30 card decks like that'll be that's when you see the best of the best come out because every like that is a fully balanced meta and a totally level playing field that would be that would definitely be a sight i don't know how well that would stream but definitely <laughs> exciting to 12 think rounds of ira versus ira <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Does he oh. have the lunging press? I don't know. We've seen this 12 <laughs> times today. Oh, yeah, that would be... <laughs> Man, eight hours in, Ira versus Ira. Uh, to wrap up uh, part two here, uh, reviewing rules enforcement for casual events. Uh, one of the big complaints from around, uh, around the world coming into... Uh, surrounding ProQuest season is the rules enforcement was at, I believe, a casual level rules enforcement because there's only casual and competitive and competitive is reserved for the callings and nationals. And there was no, there was no in between there. So you're, you had the same uh, rules enforcement level at uh, Armory, at Skirmish, at ProQuest, 
at road to nationals and only got to competitive at the calling or nationals and now pro tour. So it is not in effect yet, but they are looking for, uh, they're developing a in between casual and competitive, which would fit your, your pro quest and skirmish level events. This is exactly what we needed for, for a lot of the ambiguity that was, that was coming from how do you judge these events yeah and you know we, we know that the judge pool is growing it's still young and there's definitely uh you know stories of inconsistencies between uh between events uh even individual events in the same area the judging would be drastically different uh you know and you could you could expect a warning in one place and like an ip you know ip4 somewhere else for like the same infraction that uh you know, and that goes that stems from uh, inconsistency in enforcement level. And now that they'll have a little more guidance towards that, I think you'll see more uniform uh, judging practice. Yeah, that that's part of what this game needs. Uh, consistency is is part of what's going to help new players learn and and blossom. Uh, the last part of the announcement, part three, uh, is titled "Hello Elo," and recognizing excellence. Elo is something. Uh, you you have been uh, looking for for some time here to be applied at uh, at some more events and being used for more things. Yeah, this one is because with right now Elo is kind of I, I believe the direction LSS is looking to move in for ranking pro players and kind of figuring out uh, invitation mm-hmm. to events and things like that. But the problem is is no one's really had opportunities to to flex their elo wings uh the the opportunities to play in elo rated events are far and few between for a lot of people and Mm -hmm. i I have felt for a while that things like rtns and things like uh pro quests should have uh elo as well uh, attached to them Mm -hmm. because they are uh they they are a bigger deal than uh than just your your average event even you know even a bigger deal than a skirmish uh but uh LSS made a big move here in adding uh, ELO to RTNs and ProQuest with uh, an 8K factor here. So to what that means is, it, to put it in comparison, uh, with the callings, uh, those are uh, 32 factor, uh, 32K factor, and uh, Pro Tour and Worlds is 64. So the, the ELO that you get from... Pro quests and from RTNs is isn't weighted anywhere near as high as as uh, some of those higher events, but you still can get Elo. So somebody who can show up to uh, an event, you know, uh, an RTN and and win an RTN, they still get a, a decent chunk uh, of Elo, and they would bump up the rank the the le- leaderboard a little bit. So I, I think this is once again. A move in the right direction. I have no idea how Elo works. I don't. I don't know what those numbers mean at all. I don't know what 64k gets to. I don't know why Michael Hamilton has 1,872 points. I don't know how they got that math. I don't. I want to know what numbers got got added or multiplied or divided to get to get to where the, the end result. I want to know what that equation was. I have no idea. Do you? What does Elo stand for? Is that an acronym? I believe it is based. I believe it's the last name of the 
person who originally came up with Elo, and he was a chess player. And yeah, his God, last name was Elo. It. Oh, is this a is this a chess? Is this? Oh, it's a hundred percent. Is this a chess where thing. this is coming from? Oh, so I know if you have like a in chess, if you have a power level of fifty thousand or whatever, then that's how you can qualify as a grandmaster. And of course, I am just bullshitting those numbers. Uh, chess level. Yeah, so it, it was in the inventor of Elo was Arpad Elo. Terrible. This is still terrible. I don't the K factor, the fact that there's a K factor of 64K is means less than nothing to me. It does not it does does not compute. I I just found the the, the I think I found all the the math behind it how Elo works. Okay. All right. Oh, my head hurts just looking <laughs> at it. Oh, this is all on expectation of win rate. This is, if you have, oh, this is terrible. I still don't know where the K factor comes in. Oh, there's equations, article, there's actual math. Article 3.1.2 is talks about like the, the K factor. <laughs> the oh, also 2.3.1. Oh, God. Okay, most accurate. Oh, man. This All right, this, this doesn't... Is if this doesn't this get cut terrible. out, I'll link the article in the the YouTube oh, comments man. for for the Elo K factor and Elo rating system. Oh. Woof! All right, wow, Elo. So, win games, uh, World Championship, Pro Tour, Calling, National Championship, Battle Harden, Road to Nationals, Pro Quest, all have Elo. Elo good. Elo mean things banning the restricted list and you may have caught a little turn of phrase uh in the commoner uh reformatting they mention the an independent ban and suspended list uh for the commoner format that was not me slipping up there uh they just buried the lead uh on a new policy uh where they are going to uh, eliminate the restricted list. The restricted list was exclusively uh, meant for the Blitz format, uh, but it is empty and has never been used. They say that they've been hesitant to use it, uh, even though there are merits to doing so, because it's simply cleaner for player and tournament official comprehension and officiating if a card is simply legal or not legal, not halfway in between. Uh, therefore, they are retiring the restricted list uh, and they are going to replace it with a suspended card list, which will be introduced to Classic Constructed and Blitz. A card that has been suspended is not legal for tournament play. At the time it is suspended, a, a time frame of suspension will be indicated. Examples of time frame could be until the next scheduled banned or suspended announcement, until June 30th, 2022, or until Hero Name becomes a living legend. No cards are currently suspended. They go on to say that they uh, will use the sus suspended list liberally for Blitz uh, to flux cards in and out of the format. We will... The consequence of this prioritization is that some cards... Yeah, and they recognize that uh, some cards are, are tested for classic constructed and will be abused in Blitz and they'll be able to take care of those using the suspension model and they say that they'll use it fairly liberally towards the blitz format to see if it will further enhance a positive play experience 
I, I hope they use this as liberally as they say they're planning on using this because Blitz really desperately needs to be fixed right now. And mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, there there's a lot that could be done to make Blitz a lot more fun. So, yeah. Um, when they and, say liberally, uh, I, I hope they mean it. Sure. Uh, you know, I, I see a lot of this done in uh, in digital card games, so I'll be interested to see the execution in paper. Um, I know Magic Arena does this a lot, but also uh, like Hearthstone, uh, Eternal, which is Direwolf dire Studios game, uh, and uh, Legends of Runeterra all have similar styles where they can... And of course, these are digital only, so they can manipulate... They can do a ban-restricted list. They can buff and debuff cards however they want, uh, and they're not... They're not t- they're not physically changing paper cards. They're just changing numbers uh, digitally, and so rebalancing is much much more frequently uh, done in those games. Um, I do think a suspended list would would uh, you know you know how how would that have been used effectively in the current meta? Maybe you suspend Oakenold, you know, <laughs> uh, uh, until uh, Starvo becomes living legend. Uh, I think that would make people happy, and you're not taking away the cards forever. Uh, you know, and you're you're doing uh, you're doing everybody a service that way. I do like the potential for suspended list. Oh, I yeah, I think it's great, and like I said, I, I just I hope they they use it like they say they will, because that that that's the part that remains to be seen here. Yes, agreed. They used to have a pretty good history with ban restricted announcements, and now it's a little rocky. Yeah, we'll see what happens coming up here. Uh, May 2nd will be their first opportunity here. Uh, now that they've announced the suspended list, I really expect a, a, a blitz change using the suspended list, and uh, we'll see what happens on Classic Constructed. The last part here, uh, what's a hero without their trustee and other matters of becoming a legend? Living legend status now has an addition to it. So each hero has been assigned a signature weapon. And when the hero reaches living legend status, the signature weapon becomes banned in constructed formats along with them. They do list they list them all out, but you know, they are as you might expect, uh Katsu's Kadachis, uh Ko's Mandible Claws, uh Bravo's Anathos, you know, Dash's pistol. Uh, the techno techno plasma pistol, uh, Briar has the Rosetta Thorn, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, they go on to say that uh, Living Legend, uh, once enough heroes uh, reach a critical mass of Living Legend, uh, they intend on making a Living Legend format where you can use those retired heroes once more. They say it's, it is in you know that obviously hasn't happened yet, and uh, you know this probably won't be opened up for a couple years now but they also so regarding living legend status they they acknowledge that the accumulation of points to get living legend and it's in its scaling uh it's not necessarily reflect what's happening uh in today's today's world so they introduce uh seasonal programs where they may adjust the living legend points increase or decrease based on the amount of events uh, taking place in a given time period, and it'll affect the uh, the speed of which heroes reach living legend status. And I think that uh, makes a lot of sense. I th- there's a lot of talk on living legend before before this announcement. So there's two parts. So we're going to talk about the signature weapon in a second. Um, but I think there was a consensus that the living legend 
uh, thing is perhaps moving too fast for how the sets are being released and the frequency of hero, uh, you know, new heroes coming out um, and the possibility that they would run out of heroes <laughs> before, uh, you know, before they had enough replacements uh, out there was something that people were starting to consider. The signature weapon thing is is an interesting thing. I don't know, I don't know if it was needed uh, there, but it, it is there now. Yeah, the signature weapons thing was was kind of one of those things where I was almost a little bummed about their take on it. I I think mm-hmm. I, I liked the weapons better when they weren't attached to a hero, and I just liked the idea that a hero could just come along and equip whatever weapon they can, you know, use in their class. And the the thought of maybe losing weapons, mind you, I understand if a weapon is deemed too powerful, like, you know, maybe Rosetta Thorn, for example, being able to, to living legend that out is, is kind of nice. And then maybe leave that in the living legend format where, you know, it can wreak havoc amongst other overpowered things. I think that's fine. But I, I did like the idea uh, of heroes just being able to, yeah, equip a weapon. And not to say that they can't now, but it, you know, let, let's say Viscerai goes out, for example, uh, mm-hmm. you know, the Nebula Blade going out with him. Now that 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 just removes the Nebula Blade as, as a weapon that, that other Rune Blades can choose from. And right. That yep. that that's the part where I'm like, yeah, I don't know if I totally love this. Yeah, definitely. I there is definitely definite potential for feels bad there. Not that uh, Ko is in any danger of hitting living legend status, but obviously, like you take a you take the sabers or claws as an example that uh, its signature is is one hero, but if Ko hits Living Legend and Blitz for some reason, uh, you know Reinar Claws be- becomes you know becomes unavailable. If Reinar gets uh, uh, um, gets Living Legend, Romping Club is is banned, and Romping Club is used uh, is, is I think the besides the Claws, the next most popular uh, weapon amongst all brutes. Um, I don't I don't think we have anything to worry about for uh hexagore the death hydra so you know we can hold on to our cold foil hexagores uh, here for probably a little bit thank god shout out tommy fresh and man sam um (laughs) there is definitely uh you know i it'll be i mean it would definitely prove it's in it's it's uh it's weird to think about a world where that those weapons don't exist uh, for a bit because you know it's not gonna that living legend format isn't gonna happen once the first hero hits it's gonna be I mean how many you almost almost all of them <laughs> you know you you gotta have like the the OGs in living legend before you open that thing back up uh, into that format or at least eight heroes from somewhere um, but to lose you know to lose Anathos would definitely be weird to lose Technoplasma Pistol, you know, it's these iconic uh, parts of the game. It'd be, you know, and, you know, at some point we're all going to, you know, the game will change and move forward, but uh, risking, risking losing those for some time is definitely a a potential feel bad. And, you know, from a collector standpoint, if you had those, you know, cold foil promos, something like that, you felt like, you felt like they were pretty safe uh, knowing that you might have to put them away for some time. If you, 
if you pair if you're paired up with a successful hero. But yeah, so that uh, that is that is the bulk of well not the bulk that is that is fab 2.0 the article uh, ends with the living legend uh changes there i think as a whole right that was positively received well executed uh, everything the band and restricted announcement was not uh but it definitely pulled uh it pulled a lot of people off the ledge uh the social social media uh seems to be strongly in favor of of the article and the results and it definitely instilled a lot of confidence in a uh in a player base that was very unsteady for the last week or so yeah i agree i know i'm i myself was was somewhat worried coming out of the banning restricted announcement and this the fab 2.0 did a lot to set that at ease uh and i think just amongst a lot of I don't want to say mistakes, but just a lot of like mishaps that have happened mm-hmm. since post crucible. Um, I, I think this is just, this helps solidify that LSS is, you know, that we know that LSS is paying attention to what needs to be done and is, is acting accordingly. Yeah. I think that's, that's area more than anything else. James White, appears to be listening and uh addressing the concerns uh that people have yeah. now they still have uh, you know there's still issues right play play testing appears to be a huge issue over there now they they can sell you know they can fix the product release as much as they want um but there are uh there are myriad games that have been negatively impacted by uh, power creep and metagame imbalances that really took it down. Um, you know, Flesh and Blood is a great game, um, but it does have a track record now. Uh, Chain, Briar, Starvo of uh, you know, there's there there's a pattern there, uh, and it does it does bring to forefront questions of what's happening behind the scenes. Uh, it does seem like they're hiring constantly. I do know that they are constantly adding to the team with experienced flesh and blood players, and they're consulting outside a lot. I do hope that that uh, results in, you know, effective playtesting of of their product. Um, you know, they've they've been good. If you look at Duskblade, I know a lot of people were like Boo, about Duskblade, but um, you know, I thought that 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 announcement and their explanation of such was was done very well um i don't like that they are just like you know here's starvo deal with it until maybe you don't have to deal with it anymore if you do it right um so they definitely have some growing up to do there but you know at the end of the day i don't know flesh and blood still the greatest friggin game out there it's such a it's so fun so take my money lss take it all yeah and i I think that's that's a great point to end on is that this is a game that we all we we do all love dearly and things seem to be moving in the right direction here and i think we can all look forward to uh, a long uh, really hopefully a long a long future of playing flesh and blood yeah it it was definitely the step. I, it was the step in the long-term right direction that needed to take place. And, 
yeah now now uh now we just got to figure out how to, how to win our pro tour and calling respectively <laughs> a double takedown for the combat chain wouldn't that be something oh man oh no oh, dare to dream dare, <laughs> dare to dream um but i think that brings us to the end of episode 15 point two of the combat oh, chain yeah. podcast as always you can uh you can catch us on spotify and apple music on youtube uh please like and subscribe on youtube it means the world to us uh we do we are reachable on twitter uh i am at fom tcg pat is at pat smash good and we are also at the combat chain we also have our combat chain discord uh mm-hmm. the link for that is easily found uh in the comments for the uh the youtube or the comments for uh any of the spotify era the uh podcast uh descriptions i think lastly we we do have our patreon we're trying to get going anything you can do to help there is much appreciated we're not gonna paywall any content but we are just looking for any any help just maintaining uh even just hosting fees and and such so uh your your support there is much appreciated anything else pat uh i think the timing is gonna work out that i will probably be away from the combat chain for a little bit coming up here uh i got some family business and travel i'm sure that you will uh carry the torch proudly in my in my absence uh but when i when i get back we're on the train baby we got a train to jersey we got combat chain content we gotta we gotta pump out here we've got competitive league uh stuff that is ongoing uh so i will be I will be in warm, sunny Florida, uh, but I I will be uh, looking constantly at my YouTube page uh, for your streams and other content. Right on. Maybe I'll be able to line up a spicy guest while you're gone. And uh, hell yeah! All right, but I think <laughs> just lands James White. Just just they just, everyone's just waiting for me to step away for a moment. Like, I don't want. <laughs> I don't want that guy who talks the whole friggin' time. Once he's gone, happy to have a normal conversation with you, Adam. <laughs> Wouldn't that be something? I am not that uh <laughs> not that optimistic. We just we just been waiting. We just been waiting for the right time. Well, I think that brings us to the end of episode like I said, the end of episode fifteen point two of uh the Combat Chain Podcast. <laughs> Thanks always for listening and until next time we're uh Closing, Closing the, the combat, combat chain. chain. Thanks for listening, guys. Bye.